offensive line. He's done all right for himself. McCaffrey picks up the first down, has some room, makes a man miss. Christian McCaffrey in the open field, inside the 30, inside the 20. McCaffrey touchdown. 76 yards for CMC. Hey now, welcome to Season 10, Episode 16 of the Sportscasters. My name is Steve Bennett. It is a special fantasy football version of the podcast. What we are going to do today is I have a pre-recorded interview uh, with Michael Fabiano, uh, who used to be at the NFL Network, and now he's at Sports Illustrated doing fantasy for them. And we talk about that for a second, actually, with Michael, who had been with us. He comes on every August around this time. I recorded this probably a week and a half ago now, but I don't think we talked about anything uh, that's dated for any reason. You know, like, I don't think we talked a significant amount of time about, like, Leonard Fournette as a Jaguar or anything like that. I don't think there's anything uh, that is dated. We very much talked about, you know, fantasy football in the COVID world. We talked about... The game itself, how it's evolving. We talked about, you know, some sleepers, some busts, things like that. But uh, I'll do that first after the intro. Uh, and then another reason, one reason that this podcast is coming out the way it is, is I mentioned on one last thing a few weeks ago, a friend of mine named Sawyer Wise, who is a Canadian kid, a really smart kid, is kind of getting himself out there and Focusing a little bit about on Dynasty Fantasy, but also just tweeting and doing YouTube podcasts uh, in the fantasy world. And I wanted to do an interview with him. And Sawyer's actually with me. What's up, buddy? Hey, Steve. How's it going, bud? Good. Yeah, he's just. I told him to do the intro for me with me so that we could talk about some of this stuff. And then when we do the interview after the book club, uh, we can concentrate. Uh, more on just the meat and the bones of the fantasy. But um, yeah, Sawyer is quarantining right now in the, where do you describe, how do you describe where you are in Canada right now? Uh, the Atlantic provinces. So I'm in Nova Scotia, um, out on the East Coast, the Maritimes of Canada. You, it always blows my mind when I look at the map and you tell me how long it takes to get there. Why does it take so long? You're just uh, driving around I, mountains, things like that? Because like, uh, it doesn't look I like could... it should be that far away. Isn't it like a 19-hour drive? No I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I mean, part of it would be you have to go up to get around Maine. So um, going up, there's and then and once I get to Nova Scotia, um, i got to go around one of the inlets in the lake. So then I do a bit of backtracking at the end. But still, you're right. It, does, it doesn't look like it should be as long as it is. But 18-hour drive, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but Sawyer's in college there, and he's quarantining right now because I guess when you enter this part of Canada – from any other part of Canada, you need to do that for a certain amount of time. Uh, and then you can, I guess, go about your business. Uh, but there still is restrictions, which blows my mind. But that's for another podcast. Um, a couple other things I wanted to mention today. Uh, like I said, the uh, interview with Fabianos from a few weeks ago, no big deal. We're going to do an interview with 
Sawyer after the book club. The book club, we just cleared the slate last week with the Corbin Reef interview and the Chris Cornell book. But now we have a bunch added. I, I mentioned last week the um, the Jeff Perlman book, Three Ring Circus. And now there's two more books, and I'll talk about them in the book club. Uh, one, uh, both football books, actually. So I'll talk about them uh, a little bit later. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, also, I still have interviews in the can. I have an interview with Mike Triplett, the uh, beat writer for the Saints for NFL Nation or whatever they call it on ESPN.com. And uh, Mike Triplett is going to be on the podcast. I guess the next one I put up because that one's been done a while. Now, that one we did not obviously talk about Alvin Kamara, I guess, essentially being a holdout. Uh, I'm fine with it. Let him hold out. I don't need him. Uh, getting injured in the last week of camp, and I'm sure that's what that's about. Uh, I think in the end they'll work it out. They'll either extend him or he's going to come back. He's not going to give up the year and not be an unrestricted free agent next year. Uh, so I think that plays out. Regardless of what they decide, he'll be on the field against Tampa Bay in two weeks, and that's all I care about. I don't need. I don't think we need to worry about Alvin Kamara being at training camp. Um you know, the next 10 days or whatever. Do you have any thoughts on that, Sawyer? I mean, uh, talking about holdouts, I think they've in, they've increased some of the fines and stuff too. So the way I see it, like if your goal is to get more money, I think Melvin Gordon was a good example last year why you shouldn't skip any of the games because the fines you get for missing those games is um, they've upped that. They've upped that this year too. So I expect him to be there as well. Um, I don't I don't see why he wouldn't be there. I, was, I was worried. He had tweeted couple of weeks ago that he was going to apologize in advance kind of this really yeah. vague tweet and actually mike and i talked about that tweet uh, in the interview but you know of all the things that could have been today when you know peyton had peyton had had denied wouldn't kind of comment on whether it was injury or anything else in his press conference and then Schefter tweeted and said oh well you know he's not there and he should be there, unexcused or whatever he said. I, I was worried about things like he won't play because of social justice or he won't play because of COVID or he's, you know, he's injured. Like, whatever. Like, the yeah. holdout is the one I'm most accepting, like, most hoping for. Um, you think, well, he would, you'd think that he would come back from that and play. Whereas if it's COVID, he has no reason to return midseason or um, same with, with, uh, what was the other one you were saying there at the yeah, start? Yeah, like if there's some kind of social justice thing, if he's like, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. I just can't play football with this, whatever, you know, like that would be a disaster. Exactly. That, yeah. I just don't think this is a disaster. I think he'll be back and, and that'll be fine. Uh, also, I want to mention the Adams Division podcast. I'll mention it again in the plugs. Uh, Peter Winson from Greetings from Allentown and I uh, do a podcast called the Adams Division podcast. We named it that because he is a Bruins fan and I'm a Sabres fan and together we were once part of the Adams division. And when we made our logo, we perfectly, or excuse me, we purposely excluded the Montreal Canadians from the logo. Personally, I would rather exclude the Bruins than the Canadians, but I mean, obviously he's a Bruins guy. We're not going to exclude the Bruins. So, uh, but we can both agree that the Canadians are hideous. So we excluded them from the logo and are joined only by Hartford and Quebec. But anyway, uh, this episode is about SummerSlam 88 to 98. We did this with WrestleMania. I'll talk about that later, but I want to mention that off the top. 
Uh, and then I have a bunch of interviews still scheduled. I'd like to try to get Joe Buck uh, before he calls Saints and Bucks. Uh, I talked to him today, actually. Hopefully that's going to work out. He's a little bit more difficult to pin down because he does a podcast now. And so he's sometimes a slave to the interview schedule there. And he doesn't know. He gets, you know, Eddie Vedder and, you know, Al Baldwin, shit like that. So, you know, sometimes he doesn't know if they're going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I'm sure that'll get done and he'll be on. Um, what else am I working on? A, a bunch of interviews. September, August, October are always the easiest time to get people to come talk about whatever it is they're doing. But with all that said, I think we can get started. Uh, Sawyer, is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, just wanted to say thank you for having me on, man. I, I appreciate this, and I always love talking to you about fantasy football. I could talk all day about it, so um, I'm pretty excited to get into it. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with Fabiano. Then we'll do the book club, and then we'll be on with Sawyer, and I'll be back with one last thing. And Paula has arrived. In all of her glory. Yep. Yep. You're here? <laughs> you got anything to say? Oh, okay. All right. We will be right back. <laughs> Our first guest today is a writer, a fantasy football Hall of Famer, a television star, a former member of the NFL Network, now at SI. He makes an appearance on this podcast every year. He's a good friend of warm sportscasters. Welcome to Michael Fabiano. What's up, Michael? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Things have been crazy, though. It's been a very, I guess, uh, you could say surprising, difficult year <laughs> right so, well uh, but everything's good everything's good man in the words of andrew dice clay you were over there and now you're over here now exactly right right, <laughs> right. so left nfl network right in the middle of a pandemic and now doing some stuff for sports illustrated and sirius xm fantasy sports radio and um also doing some stuff for westwood one so got a lot of bunch a uh, lot of stuff going on here do you have a COVID strategy? Is there a such thing in terms of fantasy football? What I mean, is there anything you're doing different because of this in any way? Or are you just playing the game you've always well, played? As a commissioner, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a commissioner, I'm increasing roster spots. I'm adding injured spots. If I'm on a platform that allows COVID spots, I'm doing that. And I'm making sure that my running backs are insured. If I get Zeke, I got to get Pollard. If I get Cooks, I got uh, Brennan, or Dalvin Cook. I've got to get uh, Alexander Madison. I am allowing people in my league to decide whether or not they want to continue to just have individual quarterbacks or team quarterbacks because that might be a good way to keep people from losing players last minute that they suddenly can't replace. So if I have the Saints quarterbacks, and suddenly Drew Brees has COVID, well, I have Jameis Winston, so I'm covered because I have the Saints team quarterbacks. Right. Um, so Bite your tongue, by the way. That kind of, stu right. that kind of stuff is, sure. is, is the, the sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the ground level of things that, 
I think most people should be doing out there uh, in fantasy. You know, it's interesting because you, men- you mentioned platform, and if you're playing on one that allows this or allows that. And I think because of your position, we never talked about this before. Do you have a favorite platform? Is there one you use the most? I probably never wanted to ask you that because I didn't want you to feel like you had to say NFL. Or, you know, you know, so. <laughs> well, well, I, well, yeah, it, it would have been the NFL. Not anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, honestly, the, the NFL platform is fine. It, it's not It's not great. They they did update their draft room, which is much better. The, the draft room experience was garbage uh, for the last couple of years. They hadn't really updated it very much. I typically will use ESPN. Um, I haven't used Yahoo in a while. Not that I wouldn't, but I just haven't. And there's a there's a, an app called Sleeper that I'm using for my Dynasty League. We're doing a startup Dynasty League, and right. so far it's been pretty cool. It's it's been uh, so far very um, everyone else, everyone in the league has sort of enjoyed it at this point. Yeah, there's uh, those two Sleeper and Flea Flicker, right? They're they're almost like cousins in a way. Um, is that no? I've never heard of Flea Flicker, but Flea it's very Flea similar. Have. It's and very similar. I've played, I play. I play some leagues on my fantasy league. It's okay. It's, it's just it's plain. Not, it's not one of my favorites. It's just it's so plain. many places, buttons, and yeah. everything else. It's just and clicks and it, so the, the platform itself works fine. Right. I just don't know how user friendly it is, but a lot of people love it. So that that's sort of just me. I've I've used CBS Sportsline, which is okay too. So. Listen, it's all it's all sort of personal preference, right? But um, a lot of people say a lot of good things about Yahoo. I just haven't played on Yahoo. I think uh, if I your league do that at some point, if your league is simple enough for a free one, I think like if the rules are simple enough, I think ESPN is fine or Yahoo. They're all fine, you know. But I think when people get really complex with the rules and stuff, then you have to something like my fantasy league is great, but like you said, it, it's very very dry. It doesn't have much of a personality, and it's really complicated. But right. some people need right. that. You know, yeah. some people need all that complication because their game that they're playing is as complicated as that site. You know, um, right? Yeah, yeah. We talked about how you think COVID's going to impact. Who are your guys this year? You've probably how many drafts have you done so far? A lot. A lot. I don't even know. Do you have? Definitely. I mean, yeah. Do you have four or five guys you just see like on every team? You're, even if it's, you know, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, you pick uh, Christian McCaffrey one every time. I'm saying, like, is there a guy you look back and you're like, wow, I have that guy on a lot of teams or that guy? Or, you know, like, is there guys like that? I have a lot of Daniel Jones only because I love him. I think he's going to end up being the breakout quarterback of 2020. Based on what I do in terms of my draft strategy, I have a bunch of Todd Gurley. I have a bunch of James White. I have a bunch of Julian Edelman. I've got some Kyler Murray mixed in there as well. Who else? I've got a bunch of Antonio Gibson because I feel like maybe I'm a little higher on him than than other people in the industry. So I've gotten him a bunch. I've got a bunch of A.J. Brown. I've got a, a lot of Robert Woods. I've got a whole bunch of Tyler Higby, and it scares the hell out of me, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love what I saw last season, but I'm definitely a little bit uh, concerned uh, based on just the efficiency is going to be very hard to duplicate uh, compared to the second half of last season. So those are probably the players that I have the most 
So in terms of shares, I'm gonna guess. Uh, right are you now. you're dra- you're drafting an RB in round one most times, then going receiver for a few rounds, and then circling back for the girly or the white? Is that what you're doing? No, I'm going RB RB in almost every draft. Oh, okay. And you're only getting girly. Uh, yep. So so if I am at the end of the second round, and I've been at the end of the second round a bunch. Okay. So I've had an early first rounder. So I've gotten. Saquon and Gurley or Zeke and Gurley or Kamara and Gurley or Dalvin Cook and Gurley. And then it's been at the end. So I've I've had like the similar draft positions in a bunch of different leagues for some reason or another. And so I've ended up with a bunch of of shares of Gurley. If you're in a league that allows you to pick your spot, what spot do you usually pick? I'm not in any of those leagues, but if I was, I'd probably be picking somewhere in the four to six range, okay. somewhere around there. I don't like being on the on the end one way or another because then I've got to wait forever sure. to make my pick, and that just is annoying. So I'd rather be somewhere in the middle, but not so far into the middle where like I can't get Alvin Kamara or potentially Dalvin Cook or even now Clyde Edwards-Solaire, who I absolutely love. Yeah, I, I feel like if I'm at the ends, I I tend to reach a little bit because I'm like, it's it's now or never, you know? So I, I put that pressure on myself maybe, and I'll pick a guy maybe too early right. sometimes. Um, who are you avoiding? Hey, you got to go after your guy, man. Yeah, That's no. what you got to do. I mean, yeah. If there's somebody out there you want, you got to go get him. Yeah. Who are you avoiding? I never avoid anybody because if a dude falls to me at a spot where I feel comfortable drafting him, then I'll take it. Sure. I, I haven't I haven't drafted Jared Goff a bunch because he burned me last year and I I have him ranked probably a little bit lower than a lot of people in the industry, so he's going before I would even consider taking a chance on him. I just don't want him. I feel like there's other quarterbacks that I'd rather take a chance on, like Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow, for example, or Ben Roethlisberger. I don't really ever say that a guy is completely hundred percent off of my board. I guess if I had to pick some guys that I feel like scare me a little bit, but I'd still draft them. Higby is probably one of them. I'd still draft him, but he does scare me a little bit because before he went off last season, Gerald Everett actually led the Rams tight ends and snaps and targets and receptions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know that that situation is going to potentially occur again. I draft Devontae Parker, but I'd only draft him as a three. I don't want him as a two because I fear that the numbers that he put up in the second half last season are something that he can't possibly duplicate. And I don't know that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starter all season long with two Tua below there. So if I can get Parker in the sixth or seventh round as my three, I'll take him. I don't necessarily want him as my, as my two. Right. Raheem Mostert is another player that his ADP is rising and, and, some people are taking him as an RB2. I don't want him as an RB2. I take him as a three. I take him as a flex starter. But as an RB2, that's a little bit too rich for my blood. Mark Ingram was a great play last season from a fantasy standpoint. I'd rather have him as, an, as a flex starter this year with J.K. Dobbins in the mix. And so if Ingram is there and I've already got two running backs, then, okay, I'll, I'll roll the dice on him uh, as a three but I don't want him as an RB2. So that's sort of where I I sort of label dudes as like, yeah, they scare the crap out of me, but I'll still draft them because I can get them at a at, at a decent price or a better price than a lot of the ADP data would suggest that I can. 
Sure. So you very much focus on value. Everyone has a value. Right. Like Rob Gronkowski yeah. is another guy. I don't want Rob Gronkowski in the seventh or eighth round. If I get him in a tenth round, then okay. Sure. But I don't love him this season. So it, it all depends on where the player falls. If he there's there's spots where there's no way in hell I drop the player, but then there's spots where if the same player fell to me, I'd be like, all right, at that point I'll take a chance on him. Right. I always I ask you this question not every year, but maybe every other, and I feel like it's due. What about the game of fantasy football? Do you notice anything? Like, for example, I remember we all played standard, and then the trend started coming with PPR, and before you knew it, we were all playing PPR. Where do you see the game going? Are right. you seeing a lot of two QBs? Are you seeing super flex emerging? Are people loving half point? Like, where do you see the game kind of evolving right now? People, I feel like, in the industry are going half point because they feel like one point per catch is too much. I love points, so I'm not afraid to go full PPR, and actually that's what I prefer is full PPR. So, I've also seen a trend to people who who like to play in Superflex leagues, and those are fun, or two QB leagues, they're fun. But I also feel like in those cases, sometimes the quarterback becomes overvalued. Yep. So like you go from you go from like Nobody's dropping the quarterback unless it's Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson until like the fifth or sixth round, and I can get some really good values in a double-digit round quarterback position. Two, all of a sudden, you know, eight quarterbacks are coming off the board in the first, you know, two or three rounds, and people are going nuts on that on that position because it's suddenly a lot more valuable. But then, is it too valuable? Like, should you know where? is Gardner Minshew really worth more than a potential flesh starter that I could draft or is, is Drew Locke more valuable than say Noah Fain or TJ Hawkinson? For me, no. But once you get into these leagues where you need to start multiple quarterbacks and people are drafting three quarterbacks instead of maybe one or two, then I feel like it inflates the value of the quarterback a little bit too much. Yeah, I'm in a super flex where there was only 12 times all season last year. It wasn't two QBs, and those teams were two and 10. So it's like, well, it's, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, you want to call it super flex, but this is a two QB league. You know what I mean? Like, we've we've created a two, B, exactly. two QB league, whether we like it or not, you know? Yep. No, yeah. totally. Um, Sportscaster here with Michael Fabiano. A couple minutes left. Going to let him go. He's swamped. He was, like we said, over there. Now he's over here. He's at Sports, <laughs> Ill- at Sports Illustrated. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, let's see. He's Michael underscore Fabiano on Twitter. You can find him there. Are you doing mostly SI.com for them? Or is there still – I know the magazine's like monthly now because it every once in a while it just shows up at my house. Um, do you – you going to write in that at all? Or where's you, where are we going to find you this year? Mostly on si.com slash fantasy, and you can find my ranking, start them and sit them, the one and only, the original, that will be on SI Fantasy. So all of my written content will be on SI Fantasy. I will also be doing a lot of video content, digital content on si.com slash fantasy. I'm also doing a podcast with Doc Roto and Corey Parsons that you can find uh, wherever you download podcasts and at SI Fantasy. Uh, my radio show, Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, Fantasy Dirt is 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. I'm also going to be doing a show on Westwood One that is going to be starting this weekend. So 
wherever you can listen to Westwood One Radio, check that out and find out if uh, the show, which is called NFL um, Fantasy Forecast, is going to be available to you. So I'm all over the place. I'm just yes. not with the uh, with the NFL anymore. Let me get you out of here on this. Then give me a guy. Yeah. At We'll do the three big positions, QB, running back, wide receiver. If you feel like tight on, that's fine too, but either way. Give me the guy you think is going to be the, on the most championship rosters at those positions. At quarterback, I'm going to say Daniel Jones because he's my big-time sleeper. I Love think it. he's going to end yeah. up being tremendous. Great weapons. At running back, I'm going to say Kareem Hunt, and I'm really doing this right off the top of my head. Yep, fair. I'm putting and, you on and the Nick spot. Chubb is yep. an amazing, Nick Chubb is an amazing running back, and if he was a featured back in Cleveland, he'd be a top-five pick. But Kareem Hunt is going to get his touches. And based on where Kareem Hunt's ADP is right now, I mean, he's a sure. fifth or sixth-round pick. Yep. As a flex starter, I feel like that's tremendous. So Kareem Hunt's probably going to be on a lot of championship teams. At wide receiver, Deontay Johnson – is a name that comes to mind as someone who could possibly outplay his draft position. Although, if you look at his ADP right now, I mean, he's he's moving up, man. He's moving right. up until like getting the, a lot of buzz you know, out of that round. Camp. Yeah, I, yeah, I, right, exactly. I've yeah. seen him as high as the seventh round. So maybe you're not going to get uh, the discount anymore because you know the cat's sort of out of the bag there yep. in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. with Deontay Johnson. But I could see him being Mark uh, Marquise Brown is another guy that I can see being on some championship teams because you're drafting him as a wide receiver three and he's got a lot of stealing at tight end. Hayden Hurst comes to mind. Noah Fant comes to mind because they're players that you can get a little bit later on in your draft that could really severely outplay where you get them. And that's the name of the game, right? Getting guys that outplay their ADP. That's how you win these leagues. I think um, at least when I, when yeah. I win them, that's how I do it. Yeah. It never seems like I win them. Cause I got the first pick and pick Barkley or something for me. That never seems to work <laughs> out. You know, for me, it always just seems to be like, Oh, I pick Lamar in like the 13th round. And that got me the money or something, you know, uh, Michael Fabiano. Hey. Thank you so much. I know you're too busy to be wasting your time with this. So I appreciate that you do. Goes nah, to show man, it a, it, I do it every year. It's yeah, all good, man. Yeah. Hey, I hope that the soft tissues of, um, Stanton and Judge will hold up. Oh, gee, for you. Yes. I mean, come on. I know. Everybody's always heard this is the second year in a row, and we can't beat the Rays. It's, it's annoying as hell. It's unbelievable. But we did kick the crap out of the Red Sox. Oh, the, so what I'm happened to the Red Sox? I mean, I can't complain about that. The Red Sox are like 5 and 17 or something. It's like unbelievable. Oh, I love it. I love it. There, there's only one thing better than the Yankees winning, and that's when Boston is terrible. They're worse than so, the Orioles. Uh, that makes me happy. They're worse than the Orioles. It's great. <laughs> it's, they, it's great. I love it. All love right, it. Michael. I appreciate you. I really do. All right. Uh, good luck this season. Take care. Could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high I want to thank Michael Fabiano for being on the podcast today It's always great to talk to Michael I hope that he has a great career at Sports Illustrated. 
I really appreciate him being on the show. All right. Uh, I think it was last week we talked about how we had cleared the book club. All of the books that we were hoping to read for the summer uh, were done. And I mentioned that the first book of the fall uh, was going to be the new Jeff Perlman book. Uh, And that's true. Let's set that one up first. Uh, Jeff Perlman has his second book about the Lakers coming out this fall. Uh, The release date is actually September 22nd. So a few weeks from now, it's called Three Ring Circus. Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Lakers dynasty. I have a copy of this. I'm reading it. Uh, It's better, in my opinion, than the Showtime book. Uh, And we will talk to Jeff about it when it's released. Usually I like to get Jeff at the end of his tour, but I think this time I want to get him sort of at the front end. Uh, So that's the first book, and we kind of had that one, and then I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to uh, now spend the next uh, few weeks figuring out what we're going to do for the fall. What else are we going to read? And there are three new books to announce today for the fall book club collection. All right, the first one we're going to do quickly. Uh, It's called The Dynasty. It's by Jeff Benedict. Uh, He was on this podcast before. He had written a SI cover story about Jabari Parker. Uh, And he was on the show, and I really enjoyed him. And then I read separate of the book club, uh, which I don't do often anymore, read separate of the book club. But I read his book uh, that he wrote with Armin Katain called Tiger. And I wanted to get Jeff on the podcast to talk about it because I loved it too much. But I got turned down uh, through, I guess, a publicist or his assistant or whatever because he was busy working on uh, this book, The Dynasty. It's about the New England Patriots. The cover's awesome. It's a black cover with the Patriots helmet. It says The Dynasty. Now, I'm recording this segment uh, on the second going into the third. And at 11 a.m. on the third, I'm going to interview Jeff Benedict about this book. uh, And we'll run it on the next podcast. Uh, But I'll still plug it all month. Just the interview is kind of going to be on the front end instead of the back end here. Uh, And that was at the request of Jeff and his publisher. Uh, It's how they wanted to handle kind of the publicity for it. But I'm excited. I've been reading the book. Obviously, since I have the uh, interview already, I had to take a break from uh, Perlman's book and get right on that one. All right, the second book. It's one that Jeff Perlman actually tipped me off to. Or I should say I had noticed it and was interested in it. And Jeff mentioned to me, hey, did you see this book? I was like, yeah, I did. And it made me think, all right, let me get this. And it's called Elway. Uh, It's by an author named Jason Cole. Uh, Jason was the co-author of the Ocho Cinco book. He's never been on the podcast before. Uh, The book comes out September 15th, 2020. And it is A Relentless Life, Elway. That's the title. Obviously about John Elway, who's incredibly fascinating to me. You know, a gifted, gifted athlete. Could have went pro in baseball. Went to Stanford. His dad coached him in high school. He gets drafted by the Colts, doesn't want to play there, forces the trade to Denver, uh, can't win a Super Bowl, then finally wins two, uh, retires, and becomes an executive. So I'm really excited to read this one, Elway by Jason Cole. The last one is one that I sort of 
uh, found randomly uh, looking through the Apple the Apple bookstore, which I do often. Uh, I look at what's coming out, you know, what's new. And I saw a book that just really interests me, uh, and you'll know why in a second. It's called Sooner, uh, The Making of a Football Coach, Lincoln Riley's Rise from West Texas to the University of Oklahoma. It's by an author named Brandon Sneed. I talked to Brandon, uh, and boom, right away it came together quickly. This book is out. It was released on August 25th, so you can uh, read that. You can buy that book now. And we'll have Jason on soon to talk about it. But I'm just really excited about all these books. Three football books and one basketball. The basketball book, of course, is the Jeff Perlman book, Three Ring Circus. It's out at the end of the month, September 22nd, I believe we said. A Relentless Life, Elway by Jason Cole. Uh, That will be out in a couple of weeks. Jason will be on the podcast. Uh, Brandon Sneed, he has a book called Sooner, The Making of a Football Coach. It's about Lincoln Riley. I can't wait to read his story and what a successful coach he's been for the Sooners so far. And then the uh, the Jeff Benedict book about the Patriots called Dynasty. Now, I'm pumped for all three of these. Uh, we're going to look at this is exactly what's great about the book club, right? Four books, I got to put some work in, I got to read them, I got to promote them, but in exchange for that, we get Jeff Perlman back on, we love having him. Jeff Benedict returns for the first time in however long, Uh, Brandon Sneed debuts, Jason Cole debuts, like that's what this book club's all about, creating guests, interesting guests for the show, and I'm excited for all these books, and then hopefully after those are done, as we get into holiday season, uh, I'd like to get in another non-sports book. Uh, we did the office uh, oral history this summer, uh, and some and the Andre the Giant book, which I guess wrestling sports as well, but entertainment. I want to do another, at least one more non sports book in 2020, because I like doing that too. And of course, we did the uh, Chris Cornell book, which we just finished up. But four sports books uh, on tap. So that's the book club update. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, Sawyer Wise will be back with us. We'll talk some more fantasy football, and then I'll be back uh, to plug the show. One last thing. We'll finish it out. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Our next guest today is the future of fantasy football analysts on the internet. He's currently quarantined in something they call the Atlantic Providences, and he's a good friend of mine making his sportscaster's debut. A warm welcome. Hey, Sawyer. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Doing my best in the uh, in the self-isolation life, trying to stay busy. So how does a, a, hockey, a hockey boy, when I met you, uh, let's say you were 11 years old, 12 years old, whatever you were. How old were you in 2011? So I think that's probably the year we met, 2010, 2011. Uh, I would have been 11 then because okay. I, uh, I was born in 99, so I'm pretty much uh, the same age as the year. So how does an 11-year-old kid who knows every player in the NHL and the OHL uh, shift his focus to football? How, like, how, how did you become uh, interested in fantasy football and the NFL in general? Like, what was the – was there a moment for you? Was there a game? Was it was, – did it just happen? Like, what ex- – You know what? Explain yeah. it to me. Yeah. 
I uh, okay. So obviously, we sat behind you guys at the games at the at the Sabers games, and hockey's always and still is very much like immense passion of mine. I still you know catch as many games as I can. I still play fantasy hockey and stuff too. Um, but I think what it was was I I think it was grade eight or grade nine. I was finishing up elementary or going into high school or something like that. Um, somewhere around that time, I had a, a buddy invite me into a league. And I had never really, like, we had talked football at at, uh, at the hockey games before, but I'd never played fantasy football before. And so I played in this league, and I was terrible. I was awful. I remember, I didn't know any of the players, and so um, I remember I had Andy Dawson was my quarterback. thought he was awesome, but I didn't really know anything at the time. Um, and so I was getting fleeced in trades. I was buying all these guys after one big week, and I really just didn't know what I was doing. And so uh, the next year, I played again. I listened to a few podcasts, some things that were just kind of starting, things on YouTube, stuff like that. Really enjoyed those. Started to just dive into it as well. I mean, at the time, the Sabres were struggling a little bit on the ice. And so kind of another focus that I could get really excited about um, at the same time. And I think my mindset has always been, I love the idea of building teams. And growing up, it was always I wanted to play video games that were about, like there were sports video games and building teams instead of, playing Call of Duty or something like that. And so my interest has always kind of been in that area. And so it just, it caught my attention right away. I, I kind of fell in love with the idea. And then as soon as I, I get into something, I kind of get obsessive about it. And so I got really excited about it, started doing a lot of research on it. And since then, just it's continued to grow as I kind of discover more aspects of it that I find really interesting. So kind of that, that's where it came from for me. I remember the first year you played, you asking me about Tyler Lockett. And I think he was a rookie that year. And I think he, I yes, he was a rookie. Yeah, I remember telling you, you know, at this stage in his career, he's going to make a couple of big plays, but I don't know if you can count on him to be, you know, a starter. And I remember that you, I remember asking, you know, do you get any bonuses or kickoffs or punt returns? Yeah. He was, you know, that was a big part of his role that season as well. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. I remember that first year. I remember you asked me about that specific player for whatever reason that sticks in my head. Uh, but you don't just – you just didn't get into it to have a team and to play and to follow your team. Like you are very much into like reviewing film and studying players coming into the league and ranking the players in the league, correct? Like you are very much a uh, completist in that sense. You're, you're not just playing for your team. You like to analyze the league and everyone in the league and how they pertain to fantasy football uh, and not just NFL players but also college players coming into the NFL around the draft and through the summer. Yeah, I really like the, like, I like watching film and I like diving into the numbers. And so I really enjoy all of that. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a Saints fan. Um, I also cheer for the Bills, just local team for, for where hometown is for me. But um, even still, I would say I'm, I'm more of a fantasy football player than an NFL team fan. Like, I, I think... Sometimes I would I would cheer for my own fantasy football team to to score better or or certain players that I, that I believed in or scouted in, and I think the analytics or or the film would support them being successful. So I cheer for them, um, and so yeah, I find myself definitely a big fan of diving into numbers, trying to figure out who who the next sleeper is going to be, who the next breakout player is going to be, who's legit and who's not. Uh, I really enjoy that stuff, and so I'm a big fan of of that for sure. Um, and and I, I do follow the teams for sure, but I I think even still, like I, I spend so much more time on the fantasy side of it and, and trying to figure out 
league-wide who the best values are because it doesn't just matter really who's on my team. It matters about everyone in the league. And that's why you do prefer the dynasty format versus the redraft, right? I mean, it's a safe assumption that you prefer that format. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's funny. I think they're actually a good complement for each other. But I, like I said, like growing up, the video games I was always playing, it was always about wanting to get into a GM mode and a franchise mode and kind of build something over the long term and see how things develop. And so that's one of my biggest draws to Dynasty is like I spent all this time looking at rookies. I love I love analyzing rookies coming out of college. But if you are in a redraft league, there's only like five dudes who are going to be super relevant in your redraft league. And for me, like, I, like for example, I'm a huge Clyde Edwards-Alaire fan, but in a redraft league, he's getting so much love right now that even though I did all the scouting and research, some other guy's going to take him because they saw him on an article and, and all of a sudden I don't get my guy and then there's not really many rookies I can draft and watch develop over that one season. So for Dynasty, I love watching watching those things kind of play out. Um, and you get that great feeling of being attached to a player, right? You put your name or your stamp right on their name bar and you cheer for them and I find that really enjoyable. Well, you know, it's interesting because we're very much in different phases of our lives as fantasy players i started playing fantasy football in 1993 okay, you know, so you were still six <laughs> years from even being born at yeah. that point um and to me i still have a passion for drafting and yes. i still love the summer and i like speculating about these guys in the summer and i like drafting but when the season starts i get less and less interested in fantasy football as injuries mount and frustrations mount and the weeks go on. Uh, mm-hmm. And unlike you, my number one priority when I wake on wake up on Sunday is the Saints. You know, Fair. so. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and that can be frustrating too. You know, if I'm, the Saints are playing, you know, Carolina, for example, and my team is going to win, you know, ride or die on Christian McCaffrey, there's no chance in hell I'm cheering for Christian McCaffrey. Like, I just, I'm not wired that way. It's not going to happen. So then it creates a, a, you know, a thing where if he does do well, then I'm mad at my fantasy team. You know, I'm not, I don't don't get happy that that happened. I get mad that I'm even in this. Uh, So I think I am a little jaded. And also like what happened too, is when I started playing in in 1993, uh, if you knew what you were doing, you were probably the only person in your league who did. Maybe there was another player or two who did. Yeah. Uh, the drafts were filled, were rooms filled with people with magazines printed in April. You know, <laughs> uh, drafting players who were hold, holding out or drafting players. There was no Matthew Barry then. You know, there was no cheat sheets up to the minute based on format. There was a magazine with a cheat sheet in it and people ripped it out and they fouled it like it was life or death and they didn't know how to work waivers if the league even had waivers you know it was a different era and you could someone like me at the time i could be in the playoffs every single time at the worst like of course there's still the luck factor you know you can lose the championship yeah. game whatever you know i always think that if someone's good at fantasy the way they prove it is they get to the playoffs not that they win it because the winning it is one week i you know i always feel like if, if, if there's someone in your league who he makes the playoffs seven years in a row, but he never won the championship. I still think he's the best player in your league because I think that's the challenge. Yeah. But um, whereas now everyone has the same information, you know, for the most part. 
so accessible too. Yeah, it's so accessible. You know, everyone's listening to the same podcast, the same analyst, watching the same shows. You know, downloading the same sheets. Uh, so it's really hard to to find an edge, uh, and I think that uh, what you excel on, what makes you passionate about it, is finding the edge. You know, like putting in the work to give yourself that slight advantage. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, when you, if you think about an NHL team, you know, for the most part, those guys are basically the same in terms of talent to a lot a large degree you know so how do you do the little things to be that much better you know in an NHL game or whatever and you are passionate about doing those little things studying the film you know working every day on your team so um I think that that stage that you're in right now in your love of fantasy football and I think for you fantasy football will always be your number one so I think that um, that passion should burn for a long time. I think you'll be playing this forever. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right there. And one of the things that I was thinking just like while you were talking about that and you were describing that was like I spend, and I'm just thinking of this now, every day I, I'm on Twitter, I'm, I'm looking up different things about my players, trying to see what's going on in the camps. Um, so if you don't follow camps, hopping on Twitter is a huge way to do that. I'm um, just following beat reporters and stuff. So I'm always checking in on them. And while you're talking about that, the funniest thing to me was I was thinking, you know, I really don't check in on my top end players on my dynasty team. I, I rarely ever look them up because I know who they are. It's always those those deeper guys like, OK, how are they doing? You know, what am I finding? I'm going back and watching their tape. I'm not watching the tape again on on Chris Godden, for example. You know, I've got him on my main dynasty, my my, my main league, on my main dynasty team. I have him and I don't worry about him, but it's it's those deep guys trying to find, okay, who's who's going to be the guy that's going to be my flex play this year, but next year he might be my, my wide receiver too or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's my passion. You nailed it on the head there. Um, I remember last year around this time, a little bit earlier, you came to me and you said, I want to learn how to put podcasts out. I want to learn how to do them uh, because I want to start doing some stuff with fantasy, you know, maybe something else, but whatever. I want to learn this and – you came down to Buffalo for a day and I taught you what I could in a day. And we actually went to a draft. It was a really fun day. And then you... We killed that draft, by the way. Yeah, we did really well. We didn't have we didn't have much draft capital and we walked away with like Debo and uh, the Redskins Terry, kid. Right? Yeah, yeah. We did really well. But um, the, uh, the point I was going to make is now a year later, you have dipped your toes in those space. So what are you doing to get your information to the masses? Like... Plug your stuff a little bit. What's out there? What do you plan to do during the season? Um, yeah, it's actually that's a very good question because part of that is even what I'm thinking about right now. I've I spent the summer my my quarantine time before I came back to school trying to figure out what I liked. And so on Twitter, I have my Twitter my main uh, personal fantasy Twitter account is at Sawyer underscore FF. Um, and on that, I generally just tweet out things I find. Um, as well as then the bulk of my research. So a lot of the research I'll talk about on my show, which is on YouTube, but I like to tweet out a lot of like the summary graphs that I create for those. They're just easy visuals, I think, to, to look at and see the summary of all the analytics. And I'm, I'm trying to do that to create conversation. But also during the research, I, I find kind of these tidbits of interesting pieces or someday I'll just wake up with a thought and think, you know what? what's the actual hit rate on wide receivers who go in the first through third round of the draft, for example? That's one of the ones I did this summer. Just like 
these random thoughts and then I go dive in, do the research and share it on there. And so um, I like that. I'm really enjoying that side of it um, on Twitter. I have a show Twitter, which is uh, at the 101 FFS, um, which is the 101 Fantasy Football Show, which is also the same as the YouTube channel, uh, the 101 Fantasy Football Show. Um, and that's 1.01. Um, and over there on the show, I generally just want to talk about the research I've done because I think the numbers itself, I can share those on Twitter and I, I want to engage in conversation on there. However, sometimes being able to actually talk about it, I'm allowed to, or I'm enabled to talk about some of the the things that caused those numbers because I can't just put everything on, on a tweet. So, um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing right now on the, tw- on the, the YouTube right now I did. Um, on the YouTube channel, I've got all my rookie breakdowns, my rookie rankings, where I went through, I think I went through about 25, and then I dropped the other 25 in a list and talked a bit about a few of them. Um, and then right now, I've been going through my divisional previews, trying to look at kind of, so I statted out the entire NFL. And so um, trying to look at each team, what I have them statted out for. Obviously, a lot of things are changing right now with camp, a lot of minor tweaks and major tweaks like today. I'm trying to figure out Jacksonville's running back situation. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to do those as well as give kind of a dynasty outlook on those shows as well. So taking a look at the, the cap and, and the contracts that players have to try to see who might be the guys who you can grab now that might have more value next year or the year after. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, but during the season, I, I've been thinking a lot lately, okay, what, what type of content do I want to be pumping out? And I think I'll be as active as possible on Twitter. I find that really like you can put a tweet together in two minutes and I find that really engaging and fun. And that's kind of one of my favorite things about what I've been doing so far this summer, but also on the channel, I'm going to try to do a video each week. Um, I might talk a little bit about some of the redraft stuff from week to week, because even in dynasty at that point, it's, it's about yeah, getting uh, your lineup in, getting your lineup set. You want to get yep. wins. Yep. So you want to get to the playoffs. Um, but I also want to talk about how like, some players who di- whose dynasty stock might be going up or down, and maybe they're not guys you're really looking at in terms of redraft yet, but kind of a, a dynasty stock watch is kind of the idea I've had. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the plan for the year. But right now, I'm really just trying to figure out what I enjoy doing and what people will interact with me for, because I think I have a lot of valuable um, ideas. I think I, I think I think the critical thinking I bring to it, I, I kind of I have a unique perspective, at least from my end. That's how I, I think I kind of see it a little bit differently than, than other people. Um, I blend, I try to blend analytics and film together. And sometimes I come away with, um, just like instead of someone giving a hot take, I think I, I give it a lot of thought. And so um, I come up with maybe a different idea. And I think they're valuable ideas to share. And so I'm trying to find the best ways to, to kind of get my ideas out there. How many teams are you going to have this year? Personal teams? <laughs> Uh, I think I'm up to nine now. Okay, so have you done online drafts? I have not. I have I have a couple redraft leagues. Like I said, I think redraft and dynasty they can complement each other well. And so sure. I've got a couple home leagues and stuff, um, and those haven't drafted yet. Well, how many I think I, how many leagues have you done so far? Oof, I think I have six done and uh, three to go. Who are the guys you have the most shares of? Oh my God! You're gonna get me talking about DJ Chark, and I won't stop. He's right. my favorite player. That's, that's your number one guy, right? That's the guy. That's you, my number yeah. one guy. And in every league that I don't have him, I'm trying to get him. So um, let me ask you this: Did Fournette leaving make you more, less, or the same excited about him? I think so. I think generally the it, it made me a little bit 
less excited about the fantasy community rising on him, but it solidified my opinion on him. And and what I mean by that is I already had him as my wide receiver 13 for the season. And I had him as a top 14 or I think I had him right around 14 or I think 14 is the spot I have him for my dynasty rankings at wide receiver. And I think other people didn't have him there. And so I have three more drafts to do and, uh, and I'm trying to get him in some leagues. I don't have him, but now with the news, Twitter was today saying, okay, they can't run the ball. They're going to throw it more. Like people saying Chark's going to get 2,000 yards. Um, it is solidified my opinion. Yes, I do think they're going to throw the ball more. And I think I had it statted out that way that they were going to throw the ball a lot and that Chark was going to get that ball a lot. And so it solidifies my opinion on him, but I think everyone else is now rising on him. So I'm a little sad that I'm going to sure. have to draft him earlier in these drafts now if I want him. Give me a running back you're high on. A running back I'm high on. Uh, well, okay. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think a lot of people are high yeah, on. Yeah, he's gone. I mean, he's a. you got to get him yeah. seventh overall or he's gone. So Yeah, that was yeah. tough for me because like yeah. in Dynasty even, I have him as, as the fourth highest running back, only behind McCaffrey, Barkley, and Elliott. Um, but that's also because he was my number one fantasy back before the NFL draft, and then you pair everything there. Sure, he gets in the perfect spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, one that I was really excited about as well was Kenyon Drake. I really liked how he fit the scheme in uh, in Arizona. I know that right now I think his value is a little bit down for this season because he had that walking boot. Um, so reports came out he was in a walking boot, but it was just precautionary, and people don't know how to react to that. Sure. I think he'll, I think he'll be fine, and I think he's he showed it's a, it's a great offense. We want running backs on offense who are offenses who are going to score points. And I think the way I see that offense, um, you have to have a bit of a projection with Murray, but I think that offense is going to continue to take a step forward. Year two of Kingsbury, year two of Kyler, year two of that that tandem together and that offense developing into the to being an NFL offense. I really like that. Um, and then another guy towards the top, just um, looking at that top group of guys where you might get some value, is Aaron Jones. I think I love Aaron Jones this season. I still have him as a top seven running back for the year. I think a lot of people don't because people are worried about A.J. Dillon, and A.J. Dillon looks great in underwear. But I watched him on tape, and I, I don't like he's he's a big dog, but he has no bark in the sense that he doesn't bring a lot of power. He's he, he's he's got good feet for a guy his size, but he the, the type of thing that you expect you're going to get from him, you really don't get from him. I didn't think he was that special on his tape. Um, and him and Jamal Williams, I think he more or less he might replace Jamal Williams and they'll be fighting for the job. But I think Aaron Jones, his touchdowns may come down from last year. I fully expect them to. Um, but I still think he's going to be a really solid guy. So those would be three I'm, I'm high on towards the top end. All right, let me uh, ask you this about tight ends and QBs, but let me ask you this way. Okay. Let's say you're a redraft and your strategy yes. is to not bite on a QB or a tight yeah. end early. Who are the yep. guys you like if you're playing that strategy where you're saying first seven rounds at least, I'm going to fill out running backs and wide receivers and load up there. Yep. Maybe I'll get a tight end, maybe not, but I'm definitely waiting on QB and I'm probably waiting on tight end and I'm probably only drafting one of each. Uh, who are the guys if you're playing that way that you like? Yeah, I, I mean, first off, I would say I do play that way. I'm Right, so do I. I. And I think a lot of I, people are playing that way too. Yeah, I think the best strategy this season is running back early. Make sure you get. I think I think there's a tier of 14 backs that are really, really well. Not a that's not one single tier, but I think there's right. 14 guys before really the big solid. drop off. Yeah, before a big drop off into guys who are kind of replaceable RB twos. Um, 
So I try to get two of those. Then I stack up on receivers because, like I told you already, I love DJ Chark. You can normally get him in the fifth round right now. So I get guys in like the third, fourth, and fifth round. Um, so I'm always waiting on quarterbacks and tight ends. But I'd say quarterback position, I really like Matthew Stafford this year for redraft. Yeah, they've been raving about him in camp. Yeah, and I think Chris something Burke, that— Chris Burke, former, well, still uh, recurring guest in the show. Chris Burke loves Stafford's camp so far. He likes him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, something—so again, just these tidbits of information I find throughout my research. One thing I found with him, um, I think it was six, so for seven years before 2019, he for six of those seven years, he was a fantasy quarterback one. He had one year where he was the QB 15, okay— so what? QB15 is not terrible anyway. Um, but then last season, or just before last season, so it might, have been, it might have been the 2018 season where he had that bad year. He was quarterback 20 on the season for both formats. And people kind of got this like rotten taste in their mouth with him. It was like, okay, you know, he's hit his peak. He's older. He's going downhill. And so even I, like, look, I was I was to blame here too. Like I, I, I traded him away in one of my dynasty leagues. I was kind of out on him. Um, and I regret doing it now because last season – he was on pace. His his fantasy points per game was sixth for amongst quarterbacks while playing from weeks one through eight. And then you take that number and compare it to like the end of season. He was the quarterback four um, across the full season in fantasy points per game. And so this year, uh, the difference between those two years, by the way, that QB twenty season and last season was they switched offensive coordinators. So now they have that offensive coordinator that he was very successful with last year. He gets a hopefully a full season of health. Um, he's generally been a healthy quarterback, or at least he plays through the pain, um, something he's actually really well known for. So um, I think he's a, he's a QB1 for fantasy that you can get very late in your drafts. Um, and I and think his tight get, end's not a rookie anymore. Yeah. You know, they added yeah, a running I mean, back. Hawkinson, right. Hawkinson takes a step forward. Galladay looked awesome last year. He, yep. really, he really took a big step. Marvin Jones is consistently an undervalued wide receiver in fantasy, but a guy who's getting, like, 900 a thousand yards he's getting seven or eight touchdowns um, and amandola as much as he's not a fantasy guy he's a qb friendly guy right. he's gonna and, and and swift they bring in swift i know swift is maybe not healthy at the moment but he's a weapon in the receiving game out of the backfield like matt stafford can dump it off to him and he'll create fantasy points for stafford so i love the pieces they brought in i think their offensive coordinator is gonna let stafford sling it a bit he showed it last year i'm a fan give me one more qb one more QB. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger, if it's if it's worst case scenario, and you could probably get him right at the very end of your draft. Yep. Um, I have him as the QB fifteen for the year, so not a QB one. But if you're waiting till the very very end, um, I think people don't like him because he's been hurt so many times. But this offense, when he's been at the helm, they throw the ball a lot, high volume team, and some really good weapons. I, I now I love Deontay Johnson. I think Juju's better when he has a solid outside guy Deontay Johnson I mean you look at the route running you watched the tape last year I know Matt Harmon um, he also with his reception perception does a really good job breaking down how guys do in their route running he was a great route runner as a rookie so I love him as one option Juju obviously James Washington they bring in Chase Claypool um, big fan of the offense as a whole and I think Roethlisberger can give you solid numbers at a discount for sure all right what about tight end same strategy we're waiting on that we're, yep. what are we what's left for us um, I like Hayden Hurst. I think he's kind of rising in drafts right now. The hype train is really going for him. Um, I think 
Atlanta, like consistently that offense. They've had success a, at tight end, right? Gonzalez and then so much, Hooper, yeah. so much success. Matt yeah. Ryan loves to go to his tight end. You look at Hooper. Yeah. I'm off of Hooper this year, and it's because I don't think Hooper's really a special talent. I think he was just in a great situation last year. Sure. They, they pass the ball so much. They are a top five team in passing volume every year. Um, they're going to pass it. They lose. Um, they lose Mohamed Sanu. Obviously, that was a like middle to end of last season. But Russell Gage is a downgrade there. They still have Julio and Ridley, which is solid. But Hurst is the third option, and and Ryan always uses his tight end. So I'm big on Hurst, but he's rising a bit. So if you want a guy who like, you could probably get him in the very last round. That would be for me. It's Blake Jarwin, and I realized this. Uh, if you followed me on Twitter, you would have seen I I statted out. The, I actually tr- I had Jarwin on my main dynasty team. I traded him away. A week later, I statted out the Cowboys. And I was like, holy crap, I need to go get Blake Jarwin back. So I went and got him right before I posted my uh, right before I posted my projections. But I made a tweet about it too. Um, just one of those feelings like as someone who stats out the season, like it always hurts to stat out a guy you just traded away as, as an awesome piece. But um, in that offense, I think, again, I like to target those high-volume offenses. The Cowboys are like the Falcons in the sense that they're going to throw the ball a ton. And I think... People are off of Jarwin because they see the big three receivers that are there. But a point that I brought up when I was talking about the Cowboys on my show was that um, with offenses at the, you have these guys who are kind of the fourth and fifth receiver or the second tight end. um, And when you have very good options at those spots, it actually eats away at the target volume from those top players because then the fourth receiver is getting like 35 receptions and he's seeing some of the field versus him getting like 10 receptions and really just not getting on the field. And Dallas really has nobody beyond, like they have Zeke and Pollard at running back, um, but their receivers are Cooper, CD, and Gallup and really no one else. And at tight end, it's just Jarwin, no one else. And so they have four main targets and they lose Cobb who had like 90 targets last year. They lose Witten, who had 83 targets last year. With those two guys vacated, in comes CeeDee Lamb and Blake Jarwin. I think it's it's very realistic he sees at least another 75 to 80 targets or more. He already saw 40-something last year. So um, Dak Prescott did throw it to his tight end. We've seen him throw it to his tight end a lot uh, in past seasons. I think Jarwin is a great, great piece that you can get in. Literally, I think you could probably get him in your very last round. Um, and I think he could give you every week volume because he's just – He's going to get you like six targets a week. And that's from a tight end. That's fine. You just want it something that's not going to absolutely burn you and have a chance to blow up. He could be this year's Waller. I mean, Waller was a guy I got really late in mm-hmm. a bunch of drafts last year. Um, yeah, super, super sleeper to keep an eye on. That could be Waller, too, is Logan Thomas. He's in uh, he's in Washington. Sure. I just throw his name out there because and, and Herndon, too. Herndon is less of a sleeper, but. Both guys, what with Waller last year, it was like he was Mr. Necessary. Who else was going to get the football? And with the Jets, with Herndon, I mean, who else is getting the ball? It's Crowder and no one else. Denzel Mims is hurt. I think they said they brought in Chris Hogan last week. I don't blame you if you don't remember who Chris Hogan is. <laughs> and uh, and he's, started, he's playing, he's practicing with the first team. So, like, Herndon, he's got a good connection with Arnold, apparently. He'll be good this year, I think. And Logan Thomas, he's on Washington. They have Terry McLaurin, and then I think Dontrell Inman right now is their number two. So I guess Steven Sims, Sims actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Don't don't disrespect Steven Sims, but 
Dontrell Inman is running with the ones sometimes too. So, um, yeah. All right, give me a guy at running back and wide receiver that you're staying away from. Staying away from? Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I I'm staying away from him, and I just talked about how I like the offense, and that doesn't mean I don't like. Um, or I, I mean, I do like a lot of pieces in the offense, but with Juju, especially in Dynasty, uh, right now, I think the expert consensus ranking has him like sixth for Dynasty wide right. receivers. Right, so where you have to pick him, it's just not, there's no value there. Yeah. yeah, the value. So I think he's a solid wide receiver too, and the guy I'll give you the comp for me is Jarvis Landry. I think we've, I think we may have seen, the problem is Juju was so young when he had that really, really productive season, and so people get on board like he's young and he's uber talented because look at how good he was, right? But yeah, Brown protecting him too. Yeah, so that's one of those things is you got the guy outside drawing away the coverage and he can stay in the slot. And I think, look, I love Deontay Johnson. I already said that. I think Deontay Johnson is going to play in the Antonio Brown role within the offense. I'm not saying he will be Antonio Brown. I mean, the guy was the wide receiver one for multiple years. But I think that can help Juju as Deontay develops. Um, Because it can keep Juju inside. But I just think he's so much like Jarvis Landry in terms of he's going to get you solid production. He's going to get you um, that, better those PPR. safe. Those, yeah, better PPR guy for sure. And he's going to give you those safe week-to-week performances. But I just don't think he's worth the wide receiver six. I'd rather fair. go after. It's a fair like, point. Yeah, like yeah. I would rather go after. I mean, I can give you six guys right now. Thomas, Adams, Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins. I would take Julio Jones over over. Uh, Juju for Dynasty right now, too. There's Evans? six right there. I would take Evans over him. I would take a guy, so a few other ones, just since I'm naming them. I love A.J. Brown. I would take A.J. Brown over him because I think he has more upside to be an alpha dog. Sure. I like D.J. Moore, um, and I like Kenny Galladay. I'm a big Kenny Galladay fan as well. All right, give me a running back. A running back I'm staying away from? Sure. Um, well, I mean, it was going to be Leonard Fournette. I would have said that. Um, I would still stay away from him, but I think everyone now agrees with me on that. Well, okay, uh, hold on. Let's stop at him for a second. Yeah. Is there a spot that you're like, I'd really like him there? I was thinking about this today. I think, well, I mean, the problem is you look at what Jacksonville said. They said that they could get nothing for him. And I know that's because people, like teams probably knew. Right. Um, there's no reason that, to trade for him. There's no reason to pay <laughs> right. for him. Yeah. But. Like the, the the spots I see are like I think he would be awesome in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia can run the ball well, um, and I think they always have used a committee. But this year they've really said Sanders is going to be the guy, and so although he's dinged, yeah, he's dinged up. He's week yep. to week right now. Yep. Um, similar concept, the Los Angeles Chargers in the Melvin Gordon role with Eckler staying in his role. Um, that would take a huge hit to Eckler because yep. I think Eckler's pat, like I think Eckler's receiving production is going to go down with Tyrod at the helm instead of Philip Rivers. Um, but really, I don't see a lot that I love unless it's a team that's like Seattle, for example. If Chris Carson's hip actually isn't as healthy as people think, and then he becomes, you know, Chris Carson ends up going to injured reserve. But from all reports, it sounds like Chris Carson is a full go, um, and he's ready to go. So there's really not a lot of spots I love. I know I where see- people don't want him to go. Hey, where's that? Kansas City. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the Clyde train. You would People hear would... hearts break across the fantasy world if Kansas City's like, eh, we'll take a shot at him. Yeah, you know what? You know what, though? My immediate thought when you say that, it's a perfect buying window to buy Clyde. Maybe, but here's the thing I'll say about Fournette. And yeah. 
is that one of his biggest problems in Jacksonville is his lack of professionalism. Yep. And sometimes when you get fired, uh, you decide it's time to be professional. Mm-hmm. And I do think that a guy who's 240 pounds and runs a 4.50 uh, is a really I, – I think he's a really unique talent. Um, yeah. I am willing to admit I probably overrated him when he was coming out of college. Like I thought he was going to be so good just because uh, you know, I thought, he's you know 240 what? pounds and runs a 4.50, you know. But he was – but you might not be wrong. He was a beast in that first year. Yeah. He just I think has just not been professional. And, and not – well, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I just want to say um, the whole team, there were toxic personality issues. Like that whole team, you look at the core of that team because that team in his first year went on a major playoff run with him. Yeah, they they, 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 they have a case to say that they got screwed out of a spot in the Super Bowl by that fumble yeah. call that they blew dead. You know, if they, if they don't exactly. blow that dead, they're in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. And so great team. But I think a lot of young dudes – and uh, at the time, not a lot of vets in that, that like you're looking at Jalen Ramsey as a young guy there as well. Um, another guy who kind of had those attitude issues. And they're before. all gone, right? I now, mean, that whole team is dismantled. Gone. Yeah, exactly. And so I think I think part of it. Yeah, it was just like, I don't think you're wrong. He had great, great talent. And I still think he looked great. Even in that first season, he looked great. But uh, there's part of me that just thinks like as a fantasy analyst, you can't predict when, I, when there's going to be attitude things going on in a locker room or like there's just a. I'm a toxic locker room, you know? What I was going to say, though, is that um, I don't just mean he was late for picture day and got suspended one morning. I mean, like, mm-hmm. when you're when you're battling unprofessionalism, you're not as prepared. You know, you're not as in shape. You're not as focused. Like, I just wonder if this is a wake-up call for him, and obviously this is something we can't predict. But yeah. if he wakes up and he says, okay, where I go next I got one year basically to prove myself. Maybe it's a second year. And then I'm like going to be out of the league. You know, so I'm going to bury my head in this playbook. I'm going to get in the best shape. I'm going to be on time. I'm going to listen. Like, you know, I don't know if Belichick would ever take a chance on him, but like what an amazing spot for him. Like, you know, if he would buy in, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people on Twitter are, are on the New England train. I personally subscribe to the the don't draft a new england running back idea I right well there's always they always use too many yeah exactly that's well that's just what it is in right. fantasy bill belichick doesn't care about your fantasy team no. he cares about winning football games right, right? he so always he, uses too many yeah and they, they've got james white there they've got sony michelle and damian harris that you know even rex burka they all might steal touches even if fournette was there um so i yeah who, I, so who's I, so let's throw fournette out give me another running back you're staying away from Okay, uh, one quick thing I was going to say sure. is Fournette, the one other landing spot, or two others, quick times, San Francisco. I okay. love the way they run the ball, and I don't think Raheem Mostert is a special back. And so if they bought him in to be the lead dog there, I don't think he needs a ton of volume to be super successful. I think you give him like 14 touches a game, and he's going to be great. He breaks long uh, runs. You know, in Jacksonville, he, he broke talent. long I mean, runs, yeah. yeah. There was a game last year. I was playing against him, I think, in fantasy, and that's why I'm so – like, I was so hyper-aware of what was going on. His first, like, 18 carries, he had, like, negative two yards. And then he busted and then he an 85-yarder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, his season – or his week saved. He got an 80-yard yeah. He's good. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, San Francisco yeah. and also Chicago, depending on the injury to Montgomery – 
I personally, from the research I've done, think he should hold out, not hold out, but stay out of those first few games. Um, the groin strain, those, those things are really like high re He's average risk. anyway. I, I just don't think he's special. I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he's a special back either. So if they if they were saying they think they want to try out for a net for this year, they get him on the one-year deal. I'm excited to see what happens with waivers processing tomorrow where he lands. So Right. Um, All right. Was there one other you're going to stay away from? Staying away from. Um, I'm trying to think here. One more. I'm just looking at my board. There's not a ton that I'm like super off of. I think. What about whole... Gurley? Would you draft Gurley where he's gone? Um, do you trust wait, that so knee in that situation? Yeah, do, you have a, do you have an ADP up right now? No, but I mean, you mean he's what? Two to three, three, three to four, right? I mean, I would say yeah. So I'd say for me, like, um, I wouldn't take him in the second. I wouldn't take him in the third. Okay. Um, but I would take him in the fourth round. I think I think there's a tier of guys, and those guys are Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, David Johnson. All of those types of guys, I think, are all just going to get some volume, but they're just not special this year. Um, and you know what? Now I would say I would stay away from Le'Veon Bell. Um, the news coming out of camp, if you haven't been paying attention to that, is um, for anyone who, ha- who maybe hasn't heard of that, uh, Adam Gase and, and even beat reporters are saying Bell – looks slow in practice. Frank Gore is outplaying him in practice. They're going to use a 60-40 timeshare with Gore getting 40% of the, the carries. And uh, and I just don't trust Adam Gase to properly use his, his pieces. And so I would say I would avoid Le'Veon Bell. And I think right now, I think maybe through early August and some of July, the Le'Veon Bell hype was there. People were, were really saying, okay, you know, it's a bounce back year. He's a sleeper for the year. So I got, I some, would be- I got some ADP numbers so let's play like a him or him type of thing yeah for sure all right so Gurley is right now running back 19 uh three seven round three pick seven this is based on ff today 12 team ppr okay ppr league okay and um the person behind him so three six is david johnson you want david johnson or todd Gurley? i would take todd Gurley. all right Le'Veon bell or todd Gurley. I would take Todd Gurley there as well. Chris Carson or Gurley? I would take Chris Carson right now. That one's so iffy because he's been away from camp, but I'm acting under the belief that he's going to be healthy to start the year, and I would take Carson there. Kareem Hunt or Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley. Um, Mark Ingram or Todd Gurley? I would take Todd Gurley as well. Melvin Gordon. So I guess I'm decently high on Todd Gurley. Uh, I would take... Ooh, I think let me double check here. I have them statted for one point separate. I have Gurley at two twenty three yards. So yeah, Gordon and Gurley, whoever you can get at a better value. Right. So technically, I guess you like Gordon more because he's about a round later. Round later. Yeah. Well, I would wait. well, not even. I mean, one's three seven, one's four two, half around, yeah. half around. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Um, hold on. Let's play this game of wide receiver. Let me scroll up real quick. Let me pick okay. one. Let me pick one out. Let's pick out. Oh, let's do Juju since we were talking about him. Okay, so we're so, doing uh, PPR as well. Yep, same same list here. All right, I think I might surprise you here, but we'll see. All right, so he's three twelve in the thirteenth wide receiver off okay. the board. So, okay, this All right. will be fun. Whereas, um, I don't know if I said it, but nineteenth wide or running back off the board was Gurley. Yep. All right, so Juju, so Beckham. I have Juju one spot ahead of him, but. Coin toss to me. Coin toss. DJ Moore. I'm taking Moore. Allen Robinson. Taking Robinson. Uh, Thielen. 
Thielen. All right, so let's go the other way now. Those guys yeah. were ahead of uh, Juju? Yeah, I would say coin flip with Odell, but the others I'm taking. And Odell was 12 versus 13, so they were okay. stacked right Perfect. up next to each other. Yeah. All right, Amari Cooper. Give me Amari. Uh, Cooper Cup. I will take Cup, but keep in mind now, he's dealing with a sore foot. Right. That came out they today. They say it's nothing, though. Yeah, they say it's so, nothing. Depends. Watch uh, hard we'll knocks. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see what. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens when that comes out this week. All right, Wrigley. Uh, I have Ridley ahead. Woods. Oh, Robert Woods all day. Just one of the guys I'm way higher on. Just so you know, he's my wide receiver eight in PPR. I'm targeting him in every league for a redraft. Okay, AJ Brown. Just, you already said Brown. Yeah, I like AJ Brown. Metcalf. Um, I think I take Juju there. Just okay. double checking that it matches with my projections too. But yeah, I've got Juju ahead of DK. Chark, obviously Chark. I, we know you got. Chark. I got DK Chark. Yeah, we know. We know I got Chark. McLaren. I got McLaren ahead. Uh, Keenan Allen. I have Juju there. All right, so McLaren, for example, is wide receiver twenty-two. So you have yep. him ahead of wide receiver thirteen. So just to kind of for context. Yeah, no, um, I will say right now, I just I've got my ranking or my own projections up right now while we were going through that. Um another guy you didn't even say that I have above him is Tyler Lockett. He's like right where I left off. He was like okay, the next name say. on the list. Yeah. Okay, that's the one other guy that you really didn't say that I would take over Juju. Everyone else we kinda hit on, but Juju's my twenty first player at receiver, twenty first receiver. All right, last uh, thing and then we'll do plugs and I'll let you go. Let's play this okay. game. Okay. I'm going to give you the tight end, and I'm going to tell you where he's being drafted, and you tell me if you would draft him in that spot. Okay. Right? You know what I mean? So you're not getting a discount. You're getting him at the price. Would you invest that in this player? Because, like, obviously, anyone would draft Kelsey in the fourth round, right? You know, an easy decision there. Yeah. Right. But his... ADP is 2-8. Would you pick him 2-8? Travis Kelsey? Yes. I would not because I subscribe to the right. We wait, already, the wait. Right. George Kittle yeah. at 3-1. 3-1 is interesting because at that point, if you're going with my strategy that I, I would lean to, you would have two running backs, and I think you could get receivers after that. So early third round, I'd be willing to take Kelsey or Kittle. Okay. Um, because I think they're really like – they have a positional advantage. Those two are going to be better than everyone else at their position. Okay. Um, Let's keep going. So it, it, four, yeah. 4-7, Mark Andrews. No. All no, right. I, I wouldn't take him there. 5-3, Zach Ertz. Nope. All right. 6-1, Darren Waller. Probably not. I still wouldn't be willing to jump there. and I don't think he's anything special. All right. This is a really interesting one because it's sexy, right? 6-12, okay. would you draft Gronk? No, not at all. Right. Not, me not at all. Me no, neither. I've got Gronk down at like, I mean, reports are like things I've seen on Twitter and beat reporters at like he's he's practicing sometimes as the third tight end. Yeah, he's going to be a gimmick guy. Red zone. Yeah. yeah. No, he'll get some touchdowns for sure. And so yeah. he'll have some decent weeks. But like, no, give me many, many, many guys I have ahead of him. All right. Evan Ingram at 7-4. Fourth pick of the seventh round. He's so polarizing, man. He's he's a talented player. I would pass because I think you can get similar value later. Okay, here's very similar. Would 
let's say you're drafting seven four, you got to pick a tight end. Would you pick him or Hayden Hurst, who's yeah. at seven six? I would take Hayden Hurst. Okay. Um, let's do two more tight ends, and we'll switch to quarterback. Tyler Higby, eight seven. Would you draft him at eight seven? Uh, that one's really tough. I think I'm trying to think of the structure of my team at that point too. I think I'd be willing to take him there. He is my tight end six for the year. He's the first guy behind Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, Ertz, and Waller, those big five. So I'd be willing to take Higby there. And this puts him at nine off the board. The number eleven yeah. off the board at ten five is Jared Cook. Would you do that? Um oh, Jared Cook for me, like I I just have some I don't think his upside is is super high so I wouldn't because I think you can get guys who I have statted out very similar with more upside. All right, I'm going to give you five tight ends, a group of them that are late yep. guys. You tell me who you'd pick of these guys. Yep. All right, yep. Noah Fant, uh, T.J. Yep. Hawkinson, yeah, uh, Mike G from Miami. I screw up his name every time, so I'm going to punt on it. Um, Chris Herndon <laughs> or Eric Ebron. I'm taking Mike Gasexy. Yeah, Mike I, I screw up every name. So, all right. He's, let's, though he's a beast out of the slot. He's athletically gifted. I know there's some metrics. I kind of like, like him too. I've picked yeah, him in a no, couple leagues. People like to knock him because some, there's a few analytics that he scores really lowly in. But it's like, okay, he's also a freak athlete who they just like Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns both opted out. So it's going to be Preston and Devontae on the outsides, which allows Gasicki to run out of the slot. He's a beast out of the slot. He produced last year out of the slot. I think it's like some people I think are overthinking the Gasicki hype because he's been getting hyped for so long. And so people want to poke holes in the argument, but I'm a fan. I'm All right. In. Two questions about Mahomes and Jackson. <laughs> okay. Other than 2QB, is there any format where you would ever own Mahomes or Jackson this year? I think I would, in a one-quarterback league, if it is a standard league, which I don't know. I don't I don't play in any standard league. Well, leagues. you name the format where you would end up owning these guys, which means you have to draft them. Like, yeah. I, the toughest thing for me is, it, regardless of format, it would have to be, like, what's, I don't know exactly their ADP, but I'd have to be getting them. All right, well, I'll tell I, you. Yeah, it. Yeah. All right, right now, and this is a 12-team PPR, so I'm assuming... They're okay. assuming yep. a, sta- a pretty basic standard yeah, scoring for quarterbacks. Let's see if it gives us any more information. Hold on. Let me scroll up. What does this say at the top? Okay. Low high. That's low high. All right. Um, 2-4 for Mahomes, no. who's number one. No. Wouldn't do it. And 2-11 for Jackson. No. I would not own either one unless I could get them as the third piece behind a running back. Both of and these guys have been first picks because that's the, it says the high and the low. Let me ask you yeah. the low. Would you pet? Would you pick Mahomes four two? Yes, I would. Okay. Would you pick Jackson at four two? Yep, I would. Okay. Those are the lows for those. I two think guys. That, the, the thing. Yeah. To me, I look at those two very similarly to the way I look at Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Sure. Um, Positional advantage. Be, right. They're just going to give you a positional advantage. And so if you can get them after you have, and I think quarterback a little less. So I think I would take the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle positional advantage ahead of the quarterback positional advantage. But if you can get those running backs locked in, I mean, like I said, I, I love Robert Woods. I love DJ Chark. I love some of those guys you can get in the fourth and fifth round anyway. So um, I think you'll be fine to get your collector receivers later. 
Um, I think Mahomes is going to be Manning. He's going to be about the best fantasy quarterback the next 10 years, and he's always going to be the first quarterback off the board, or Rodgers if you want a, a more contemporary uh, example of that. I There's no way I'm drafting Lamar Jackson this year, and he won me my best league last year, but the season he had, I, I just have to see it twice, I guess. Yeah, no, he was he was uber efficient, and that can be scary. Yeah, all right. Like let's the touchdown the touchdown ratio, just crazy. Let's go back to just playing this game where this is where they're going. Would you pick them in a regular, you know, PPR league where you draft, you draft one QB and TDs are worth four or whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right, Prescott at five ten. No, I I wouldn't. I don't think Russell Wilson at five eleven. I have Wilson as the third quarterback, but I think I would wait. All right, how about this? Throw Mahomes and Jackson out. You're drafting at the top of the sixth round. You're going to pick a quarterback. You got Prescott, Wilson, Murray, and Watson. Who are you going to pick? I'm taking Wilson. Who are you going to pick next? Prescott. Next? Murray. Then Watson. Ben Watson. All right, and you, you know what? You know what? Call me a fan, but I have Drew Brees ahead of Drew Watson. Ahead. Well, they're they're back to back here. Okay, I was gonna say because yeah. I do have Drew Brees in there between Murray and Watson. That's not probably not a stretch based on you know they're back. Oh, but okay, back-to-back. sorry. Time out. You yeah. said four point. You said four point. I do have Watson ahead of Brees in four point. I have them flipped for six point. Okay. Um. Matt Ryan at seven twelve. No way. No, too high for me. Tom Brady at eight two. No, probably wouldn't. Aaron Rodgers at eight ten. No chance. All I'm right. out on him. Uh, side note about him: Matt Lafleur loves to run the ball. Yeah, I think I think all signs from how they drafted, not getting him a weapon. I'm scared, man. I'm scared. They're just try. They're gonna just keep trying to take the ball out of his hands as the years go. All right, I'm gonna give you a group of five. Ready? Okay. okay. Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. I hope that was five. Yeah, it was Josh Allen. Okay, next. Carson Wentz. Next. Uh, and then you said what were the other ones? Newton, Newton Baker. Jones, and Mayfield. Um, I would go Jones, even though I know he's got that. I mean, it's tough. Keep in mind, Jones is going to have a tough schedule at the start of the year. Um, so him and Newton are similar in terms of my projections, coin flip wise. And I think if you're drafting a quarterback, then. You're going to need to start him. If it's a 1QB, you're starting them um, in week one, and you can stream from there. So maybe I'd go Newton, even though I like Daniel Jones for the for the long term of the season better. In redraft, who is your favorite rookie? Mm-hmm. Clyde. Okay, <laughs> but okay. at a value. Fair. But at their Second value. favorite. I forgot. Yeah, but at their value. Right. Um, like a guy who I'm actually willing to go out and get. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a dumb question because it's like, you know Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year. Who's your favorite rookie? Of course it's Elliott, right? Of course it's it's Clyde. Yeah. But uh, let's just throw him out. So then, who's your favorite rookie in redraft besides him? Is it Swift? Is it um, Taylor? Say, is it I would a say wide it's receiver? Taylor. Taylor. It's it's Taylor for me. But I I think other than Clyde, all of the rookies right now are not all the rookies, but all the top end rookies are being a bit overvalued. Who's going to be like, the best rookie wide receiver, just in terms of numbers? This season? Yep, this season. I think, okay. Um, I See, 
for me, I'd probably go, it's Judy or Lamb for me, because I know a lot of people are trying to give these hot takes, like it's going to be Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager. Rager, but it's right, not, everyone loves Rager all of a sudden. I I can tell you right now, it's not going to be one of those. Rager's already dealing with his injury. Justin Jefferson can't beat out BC Johnson for this year. And I'm not saying I don't love him for Dynasty. I still think he's a very good talent, but it'll take him a time to get there. Um, I like Judy, I would say, probably for year one. He's my Dynasty wide receiver one, and I think it, the reason is because I think he's just he has a game that can transfer to the NFL right away. And he has Scott, like the sky's the limit for him as a prospect. So I would say Judy, because he's going to have a major role from day one. He's super talented. A guy like drew Locke, quarterback who, you know, you're, you're a young quarterback. What do you want? You want a guy who's going to, who's going to create separation, right? You want a guy who's going to give you the biggest target window. Sure. And so I'm all in on Judy. Um, I had to trade him. I actually fun thing. I traded him for, DJ Chark in a dynasty league. So there you go. There's my love for Chark. All right. Sawyer Wise, give them everything that they can do to find you and follow your information this year. All right. This year, uh, my main Twitter to follow would be um, at Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R, underscore F-F. That'll be my primary Twitter that I'll be using. Um, You can find me on Twitter also at V101FFS. Um, which will be the show's channel. And then from there, head over to YouTube as well, and you'll find the 1.01 Fantasy Football Show. And that's where I'll be doing some videos on there. But, um, yeah, those are the places to find me. He's a modern-day warrior. Mean, mean stride. Thanks, Sawyer. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. to thank Sawyer Wise for being on the podcast today. I also have to thank Michael Fabiano for being on the podcast. Don't forget you can find this episode and all episodes of the Sportscasters podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. You can email me the sportscasters at gmail.com. You can also find us on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd be kind enough to do a review uh, for Apple Podcasts, maybe in a five-star review if I've earned it, I'd appreciate that. Greetings from Allentown. It's one of my favorite wrestling podcasts in the world. Certainly my favorite wrestling podcast featuring only one human. My friend Peter Winson is the man there at GF Allentown Pod. He has a new episode out this week, 1990. Superstars from the Intercontinental Championship Tournament. Post WrestleMania 6, Ultimate Warrior could no longer be the Intercontinental Champion. They needed a new one and they did a tournament. Uh, also, Peter and I have done a new Adams Division podcast. We created WrestleMania, or excuse me, SummerSlam cards using SummerSlam 88 to 98. Picked one match per show, one belt. The belt, each belt can only be used once, each wrestler only once. Come up with a card, 10 matches, really fun, great show. Love doing the Adams Division podcast. You can listen to it two ways. You can listen to it on the Place to Be Nation feed, or you can listen to it on the Greetings from Allentown feed, just where I just told you to go. Uh, Peter has it up on his feed, and on Place to Be Nation as well. You can listen to it.
One last thing I want to mention, my friend Adrian Dater. He's in the bubble, one of the few American hockey writers in the bubble. He's there. He's doing his thing. And uh, he's undervalued, I think, underrated in what he does for Colorado Avalanche Hockey. Follow him on Twitter, at Adater. He's going to be on the podcast soon. All right, one last thing for today, and I turned 40 yesterday. And I guess that's a big deal, right? Anytime, you know, there's these birthdays, maybe like the first one is 10. You know, you're 10 years old, that's something. And then you become a teenager at 13, and that's something. And then 16, you could drive, and 18, you're legal, and 21, you can drink. Right in 25, you get cheap insurance and you can rent a car, and then you t- you, t- you turn 30, and your 20s are over, and it's time for your 30s. And I've done all those, and now the next one is you turn 40. And if I'm being honest, there's been a couple of times in my 30s where I wasn't sure if I'd make it to 40. 2013 certainly was one of those times. I was 33 years old, and I was facing yet another bowel resectioning. I spent a lot of time in the hospital. I was in the hospital from January 28th until March 14th, and then I was home for only four days, and I was back with an infection. I had a giant hole in my stomach. It was really hard. It was really hard to recover from, but I did I did it. And then, of course, 2019, pretty much everyone listening now, I think, was with me through that, you know, three surgeries in 289 days, you know, which is uh, 2019 in terms of health was the hardest year I've ever had because, you know, I was older and I had a daughter and it was just a hard year. And, you know, when I was in the hospital the first time, they just didn't know, you know, what was wrong. And, you know, I got, I got worried a few times, like, what if this isn't what it usually is? What if it's something else? What if it's colon cancer? You know, you, you put yourself, I think, just mentally in a bad place sometimes. And it's because of that there's been a few times where I didn't know if I'd make it to 40, right? But here I am. So now what? So now what are you going to do? Well, you know, I want my 40s to be better than my 30s. And there was nothing wrong with my 30s. I did a lot of good shit in my 30s. There was some downs. But there were some high highs in my 30s, right? I became a husband. I became a father. Like, holy shit, I became a father in my 30s. You know, my daughter was born. You know, I got the privilege of holding a human being that I helped create in my arms uh, and, and have a relationship with my daughter. I got to name my daughter after my grandmother. You know, the most tragic thing in my life. Uh, is what happened to my grandmother. Uh, and I got to, I don't know if I want to say avenge her death. That's probably not the right word. But I got to make peace with it in a way by by paying tribute to her through naming my daughter Paula. You know, and I went to, I think I counted 14 Pearl Jam concerts. You guys know that Pearl Jam concerts is a place where I feel whole. You know, and I got to do those shows with my brothers and my wife and friends. You know, a couple years ago in August, like it's been the two-year anniversary of a lot of the shows on the home shows and road shows tour that Pearl Jam did in 2018. 
And I went to a show in Chicago, uh, August 18th, I believe, 2018. It was a perfect day. A perfect day in my life. I was with my brothers and my wife at a Pearl Jam concert in Wrigley Field on an absolutely beautiful day in the city of Chicago. Everything was perfect. It was a perfect day. I went to New Orleans a few times. I got to see the Saints. I got to see Drew Brees. I got to see the Saints play all these playoff games, all these unbelievable twists and turns with the Saints. High highs, right? I played a hockey game myself. I hadn't played hockey in seven years. Uh, and I returned to the rink after everything I had been through. Right? 2011, I stopped playing. 2018, I returned. Not as good, obviously. Not the same player, but I got back out there. And what a feeling that was. You know, so look at. My 30s were what they were, high highs, low lows. You know, my stepfather's now officially gone from my life, thank God. Probably the most negative influence ever in my whole entire life. He's finally gone. He's away from my mother. High highs. Now, my 40s, if I could ask for anything... You know, maybe if we could just level things out a little bit, maybe, maybe a few less of the low lows. But you don't want to give a whip, give up the high highs, right? So I don't know. I don't know if that's it, even true. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie and say I wouldn't change anything about my 30s. I'd change some stuff. I'd change some decisions I made. I've, I'd change the way I, I treated some people. You know, I'd try to be better. I like to think I'm a better person at 40 than I was 30. I wish I could have been that guy 10 years ago. I started this podcast in my 30s. But what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish in my 40s? I'm not sure. I know I just want to keep being a good dad. Like that's number one on the list. No matter what happens, I want to just keep showing up every day for my daughter. I just want to be a good dad. That's all I want to be really. A good dad. A good family man. I want to take care of my people. You know, when I start to look at people I respect, the people I respect the most are the people that take care of their people. That's what it means to me to be a respectable human being. When you take care of your own, and that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be a good dad. That's number one on the list, for sure. And I want to just keep being a better guy in general. You know, I don't want to be... I want to try to get rid of some of the negativity uh, that I bring into my life you know it's my own fault uh, and I want to get better at that you know I want to keep being a good brother you know maybe be a better brother than I've been the last few years you know I want to be a better son you know what's worse than being a bad son not much you know so I want to be a good son to my mother especially she deserves that she's always worked really hard for me so she deserves that uh, but listen I made it, you know, for better or worse. I made it. I'm here. I'm getting by. My health is what it is, but hey, it's a million times better than it was a year ago at this time. 
You know, a year ago at this time, I was recovering from surgery number two, trying to decide when surgery number three was going to be. So I'm just going to keep walking the long road, as they say, right? Eddie Vedder said, just keep walking that long road. We all do it. We all walk the long road. And I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing this podcast. And I appreciate everyone who listens to it and who listens to that. So thank you. Have a good week. Got a lot of interviews to do. Yeah.